Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the second episode of the Random Rambling Beard Broadcast. So a little bit about this. Um, like I've said multiple times in the first episode, and I'll say in this one and in ones to come, there's no set schedule. So uh, I, I initially wanted to release this podcast uh, a little a little over a month ago. Um, maybe not exactly a month. Uh, right around a month. And uh, with school and work and having fun with my last year at college, it just didn't happen. So here it is now, a little behind. And I'm bringing this up because it is a review of the movie Nope. And, you know, th this podcast is called the Random Rambling Beard Broadcast. So it is random, it's very rambly, and it jumps all over the place. Uh, I did consider for a moment re-recording the episode, however, i it's been a month now since I've seen the movie, and I just feel like that would not be a very good review. So here's this movie I saw a month ago. I kind of remember it. Uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. So, yeah, apologies in advance for the review not being very clear and concise. Um, if I had more time... I'd go see the movie again and re-record the review. And as I mentioned in this review, it is something that is worth seeing more than once. So I am eager to see it again when uh, the time comes to see it again, whether that be on streaming or I buy it for myself for home. So I just want to give you that caveat at the beginning. I am working to figure out an intro for the show might be an old intro I have lying around. Maybe I'll be crazy and I'll come up with something new. Uh, so, but for now, you'll probably get these weird intros that then just snap cut straight to the episode or they'll fade in. So without further ado, enjoy the Random Rambling Beard Broadcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Random Rambling Beard Broadcast. I got to get that stuck in my head. You know, it's kind of a tongue twister of a name. I'm going to need to get it down. Um, so episode two, you know, in the past I said I don't want to focus on like a specific idea or segment or anything, but I'm going to kind of throw that out the window today uh, so I can talk about the movie Nope by director Jordan Peele. So if you aren't familiar, which the marketing on this movie has been huge from my perspective, um, Jordan Peele's Nope is the third film in his filmography. And um, I just saw it today, and I got to say, absolutely amazing piece of cinema. I think it's one of the coolest pieces of film I've seen in a while. And it had me leaving the theater, scratching my head, and also feeling very satisfied at the same time. And so uh, it's... You know, it definitely hit me. It definitely hit me in a way to where it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't like Titanic emotional, where I think at the end, the magnitude of that movie, you know, again, just the visual scope of it, uh, you know, makes you like weep. And then that hopeless romantic concept that I think exists in a lot of us, you know, that makes you weep um, or something that's like absolutely huge and existential and leaves you questioning like. Tiger King, which I know is not fiction to a certain degree, um, but it, you know, it does leave you questioning in like this really kind of introspective, like, oof. Um, 
the best, you know, the nope is right in the middle of those two. Having those emotions of like wanting to weep and left questioning and wondering. And not about the film in a sense of like, wow, why was the film like that? It was more of like, wow, what, how, how can I, how do I formulate this? You know, and to me, that's the the first hallmark of any good movie is to where it's like, I think I know what the answer is, but that's probably not the right answer. And so here's how we're going to break it down. We're going to do non-spoilers and then we're going to do spoilers. I think that's a a good structure and I'm really going to try not to spoil a whole lot about this movie because it left me guessing and questioning up until the very end and I was like wow like (laughs) this is great this is killer and you know I texted my family right afterwards I was like I would pay to see this again and my mom was like well hopefully it'll be on Peacock and I'm thinking no I'm gonna go with some friends again and there are things where it's like I should have been really really paying attention um, not to say I wasn't, you know, I was alone. Um, the theater I went to, there weren't a lot of people. It was like me and four, four or five other people. Um, but I think with Jordan Peele movies, especially there's always like a, if you don't pay attention for that half a hair a second, you're missing it. And so there's a lot to unpack within the spoiler section, but let's jump just straight into non-spoilers. Um, so for a general synopsis of the film, and really it's just the base level, um, brother and sister, M and OJ Hayworth run their father's horse ranch, uh, Hollywood horse ranch. So they sub their animal wranglers and they supply horses, uh, you know, to TV productions, film productions. Um, and they're struggling to make ends meet. And then weird phenomena begin to happen around their ranch that attracts the attention of their neighbors and people within their industry. And that's about as far as I can go without completely tipping the hat and and spilling the beans on this film. So overall, what do I think of it? Um, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And now I, I think we're all aware if you're not if you haven't seen it yet i think it's painfully obvious they're talking about aliens in this film and i will say the one thing that i did walk out of the theater really happy and like respecting about the movie was that it changed uh i think it changed the genre of alien horror for the better and Again, without getting too deep into it, I think it's something, a breath of fresh air that was just like, oh, thank God. Like, this is cool. Um, This is nice. Um, I will say one thing that became really clear is that Jordan Peele, he's got a lot of hobbies. I think our homie has been hanging out on some UFO subreddits and has, has been really digging into the pop culture that currently surrounds extraterrestrials. Or it appears that way. Again, this is something that we got to get into within spoilers, so I'm going to kind of keep it light here. Um, it do, you know, again, it changes the the formulaic alien movie for the best, and not just in one way. And we'll get into that into spoilers. Um, 
So from there, you know, changing it that at first I was like, hmm. But then I was like, you know what? That that's cool. Uh, sound manipulation again, like in his last two movies, it, it's spot on. Um, for a variety of reasons. I think the one thing, you know, everybody talks about, and he said himself, Jordan Peele, that this is about spectacle. And I completely agree with that. Um, however, I feel like the larger theme here, the maybe the larger kind of shadow theme, if you will, is respect. And not just in the, like, uh, a binary sense of, like, I'm going to treat you the way that I want to be treated, but in a very wide and general sense. And I think there's also um, topics about hubris and things like that. It's a really layered film. And so it's interesting that it's getting the weird reception that it is. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of curious if that's partially because it's UFOs and UFOs are such a hot topic right now. And there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, but UFO is still the crazy guy thing. So you know, but again, we'll dig into that within the spoilers. Uh, cinematically, it's beautiful. I mean, it's beautifully shot. There are some things where it was like you could have tried a little harder, I think. Um, but it, it's nothing that completely detracts from the film. It did catch my eye, but, you know, that is, you know, here neither here nor there. Um... One of the characters I felt was a little underdeveloped in a sense. And it's unfortunate because I think they represented, again, on the topic of hubris, I think that they represented it really well. And I think they also represented respect well, you know, and so... For me, it was like, wow, I, I wish we'd gotten a little bit more with that character, that specific character. Um, so there's that. And um, again, this is like trying not to spoil a whole lot. Overall, the sound design was excellent. Um, let's get on that topic for a second. Music-wise, fantastic mu- uh, music. Sound design wise, um, I was at the very back of the theater and it was three dimensional to me. And I don't know if my theater has the Atmos speaker surrounds or not, um, but it was, again, fantastic. Amazing audio. Um, definitely a rich enhancement there. I will say one thing I did notice is he has started to take. Um, and they're not bad horror tropes. I do actually enjoy them because they're kind of shock and awe and very ingraining in the mind. Um, you know, like really intense, like still images, um, or, you know, still shots where, so I'm thinking of like hereditary where the daughter's head gets chopped off by the sign. And there's that still shot of it on the road with the flies all over her face, things like that, where it's like, whoa. And it's there for, you know, a little bit and then just is gone. I can't snap with my left hand. It's gone like that. Um, and, you know, I'm glad that he's including those. I hope it doesn't become a crutch on his part because I think it would – I don't think it would ruin his films, but I think he definitely has a unique flavor of it. 
the lighting, uh, the color grading. So I, I'm a film nerd a little bit. So, you know, this is kind of like right up my alley, so to say. Um, the nighttime shots, the color grading they did on them was absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely amazing. I loved it. Um, and I felt like it gave it a lot of depth. And um, sorry for that loud pop, by the way, that I was adjusting my mic arm. So... Overall, I give it a 9 out of 10 just because there's some things that I wish were developed a little bit more and, um, you know what? I'm actually, I'm thinking about it. I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. This is a 10 out of 10 movie for me. Uh, the conversation of the hubris and respect is explored completely not through the one character I hoped it would be, but through two of the characters. So I think I kind of, I can be quelled on that front a little bit. Uh, so overall, I'm going to still, you know what? I'm going to keep it at nine out of 10. I'm going to keep it at nine out of 10 because I feel like we could get more out of one character. I think that it, you know, for me looking back at it, I'm satisfied still um, with the exploration of hubris and respect but I think we could have gone a little deeper on one character. So we're going to give it um, a solid nine out of 10. I recommend that you see it. It's amazing. I'm still kind of curious about why it hasn't been breaking box office record or reviews. Um, but that's neither here nor there. And it might actually be a part of the film's uh, mythos. So we can get into that in a second. Um, so that's pretty much like the non-spoiler stuff. And, like, it's hard to, you know, not get into it. Um, you know, I guess I will say it does kind of drag in the middle if you're not into it. And when I say into it, you know, and I, again, I said this earlier, it's a really heady movie. Like, you you question things throughout the entire movie. And to me, it didn't drag. Uh, I can see a spot where it does though, where it kind of slips and you kind of like, eh. but if you go into it with the understanding that you are going to be questioning things, you're not going to get direct answers right away. You can absolutely enjoy this movie 100%. And I think walk away with the feeling that I had. So second act towards about the mid end part of the second act there is a slouch but it's not a bad slouch um i didn't really perceive it i can see why people don't enjoy it though so again nine out of ten let's get into the spoiler side of it because oh my there's so much to talk about there's so much to get into that i i just can't i just can't hold back anymore so if you haven't seen nope yet um, pause the podcast, go see it, and then come back and listen to the spoiler chunk. Or if you don't care and you want to be spoiled and maybe get a different perspective going into it based off of my ramblings, all good. Let's get into it. So, yeah, it's not aliens the way that we want to think. It's aliens, which makes me really happy. Uh, at first, I was like, oh, once the reveal came out, that it wasn't the little green Martian Martians. Um, I was like, Whoa, this is cool. This is so, so cool. Um, 
And, you know, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit of a UFO nut. I definitely believe there's life out there. And I think after, like, the Tic Tac and the Gimbal videos, which is funny because they bring those up in the movie, and it's like, wow, that is so fucking cool. Um, after those pieces, you know, uh, it, it's great. It's great. So it's not aliens in the way we think we are. The whole flying saucer thing into where it's the alien was just like, wow. And even I had it wrong up until the end. And I was like, this is great. This is really, really great. And I want to go back and see it again because I'm curious if they intentionally made it look like a metal flying saucer in the first two thirds of the film and then towards the end of the second third into the last third if they began to deconstruct that image and make it look more organic because by the end what you realize is that the flying saucer isn't a isn't a spaceship it's it is an alien like the flying saucer is like this mushroom looking alien that can expand into this giant like balloon cloud looking thing and uh which then like you know it's great because they do that and then you're tipping your hat to ufo you know ufologists or whatever they call themselves and these concepts you know and like the stories you heard about like roswell and they're like oh it's a weather balloon right and so then it's like i can see why like if you're saying like you know like if everything in this movie is 100 percent real and all the conspiracy theories about roswell area 51 and everything are real then, you know, it makes sense. Like, oh, that's why they said it was a weather balloon. And those are the kind of things I was thinking about watching this movie. So the whole concept is basically that their dad dies and they had to take care of the ranch by themselves. And what they've been doing is selling the horses to this guy, um, Ju Jupiter something. Oh, I think they just call him Jupiter. And he's like this cowboy kid who was a TV star in the 90s. He was a kid that had his own movie, like Kid Sheriff or something. And so he is all about spectacle. So this is where, you know, the, this theme of spectacle comes in, um, where it's all about spectacle and wow, wow, look at that. You know, lights, camera, reality, television, sitcoms. And the audio that they open on, and I don't know if this is real or not, and I, I want to see if it is. I feel like it's made up for the film. Um, they open, you know, on the opening credits, it's the audio from this uh, show called Gordy's Home, which is about a chimpanzee that lives with people and is the reason why in the film universe, as far as I'm aware, that I don't think this happened in real life, um, in the film universe, it's the reason why you can't use chimps on set. And I'm pretty sure something like this happened in real life. Um, so they open on the, with the audio of that. And they, the first scene you see is this shot from like a really low angle, which we find out later is Jupiter's angle as this monkey. There's chimp. I mean, had bludgeoned the death out of somebody's covered in blood, comes walking around, takes off its hat it's birthday hat because in this TV episode, it's its birthday and, um, you know, just sits there and then looks at the camera and then boom, it's to the present day where we meet OJ and his dad. They're taking care of horses and then they hear this weird noise. It's the UFO in the sky and 
car keys start falling from the sky, all this stuff. When his dad looks up, a quarter falls out of the sky straight into his eye and he collapses off his horse. And at first I was like, his dad just disappeared. What the, what, what? And then I was like, wait, 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 no. So his dad dies. And this is that still shot I mentioned um, in the non-spoiler chunk where it's of his dad's face and it's this giant gash, right? And it's like, what? Like that is just like, what are you, what? Because in the scene leading up to the dad's death and they don't show the dad dying, um, it's OJ with his dad in the passenger seat in his truck. And he's like, dad, what's this? What's that? And there's blood gushing out of the side of his head. And so it's like, did his face get melted off? Like what, like what happened? And then they cut to this and it's, you know, just that click that like the quarter in the eye and Otel's like, that just doesn't make sense. Or OJ would, uh, they say his name, I think it might be Otis, but they, they kept saying OJ. And so they cut to the present and he's on this TV set with a horse and everybody's like, oh, wow, it's a horse. Okay, here's the safety meeting about the horse. Everybody's getting too close. Nobody's listening to him as he's trying to talk about how you act around the horse because they freak out the horse. The TV crew does. And it ends up like kicking a chair across the room and it freaks everybody out. So they take away the real horse and replace it with a green screened horse. And so this is where the conversation about respect for me began to become apparent, which is like, he's respecting their, you know, like, and the horse had like these pieces of yellow tape or orange tape across its back. And it's like, okay, they're going to like do some kind of lighting grading thing with it later. Right. Like that's why it has the orange markers on it against the green screen. So it's going to be like, okay, he's respecting what they want to do letting them apply their stuff to the horse, but they're not respecting him and what he's asking for the treatment of the horse, which the horse's name is Lucky. And so they get booted off the set. His sister comes home. They're talking about their dad and everything. And he's like, it doesn't make sense. Like they said, it was like a Cessna plane that, you know, these keys and this quarter fell out of, but it doesn't make any sense at all. So they go home and... I don't remember one of the the horses is called ghost, which I found really interesting. Um, Because so the ranch thing and they're like, let's set up cameras. If you're a UFO, you know, conspiracy theorist freak, you'll know that in Utah, there is this ranch where it's called the skinwalker ranch. And supposedly all this crazy stuff happens, you know, lights in the sky, UFOs, invisible monsters, destroying cameras and everything. And so, there is that vibe where it's like, is this like a skinwalker thing? Is this going to be ghosts and aliens? Like that's the kind of, you know, thing that I started thinking about. And, um, anyway, so back to this kind of walking it back a little bit, there's this horse out in the arena, which if you're not cowboy and I'm not, but the arena is kind of where you walk them around and train them and, you know, do practices. Um, Ghost, the horse, breaks out of the arena, goes running away, and the UFO thing comes in. And when it comes in, it kills all the power, and, like, everything slows down. And it flies overhead in the clouds, and it sucks up the horse. And this is where the audio thing was cool, because the horse would scream as it's being eaten by this UFO. And you could hear it around your head. It was so insane. 
So once they realize that, and this is where they're having conversations about like, what are we going to do with the ranch? Jupiter wants to buy the ranch. Oh my God. You know, how are we going to make money? They're like, this is it. And there is this aura as well about respect in the regard that the Hayworth name is tied to the first film ever. Um, M, the sister comes out and is like, did you know that the first piece of film ever was a black man riding a horse where it was photographed stitched together to make it move? She's like, everybody knows who the photographer is. Nobody knows who the black man was. The black man was a jockey by the name of, I can't remember the first name, Hayworth. And that's their name. And so that's their entire farm. Their great, great, great grandfather, you know, was in the very first film ever was, as she says, the first stuntman, the first actor, the first, you know, animal wrangler ever in the industry. Nobody knows who he is. And so this is that respect thing where it's, when they show up to these films and everything, they don't act, at least from, and again, we only see one, but the sense is that OJ is, this is just my job. I just do this. Respect me. I respect you. And nobody else is kissing their ass going, oh, wow, you guys had the first, you know, your family name is tied to film like this. And so I think that's the first thing where it's like, just because they aren't industry elites doesn't mean you shouldn't respect them. And I think in a greater sense, you can interpret that as just because you don't have this status symbol or this title or this reverence and dogmatism in a society doesn't mean that you shouldn't be respected or that you shouldn't give that person respect, you know, in that regard. So that was the first big thing to me. And so to kind of walk back again to the point in the movie um, they're like, well, if we can't make money off the horses, let's catch the shot. Undeniable 4K evidence of a UFO. Well, they start learning the hard way that when the power goes out, the cameras die too. And they meet this guy named Angel. And I liked him. He very much reminded me of me and some of the UFO people I've met in my life where he's like, oh yeah, this and that. You know, they changed the name to UAP so nobody pay attention you know, it could be a world ender. It could be this. It could be that. And I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. And I don't think it delegitimized the movie in any way. Um, I think what it did is it legitimized the fact that, like, average people, because the where we meet Angel is at a hardware store where they buy the cameras. And so I think it definitely gives it this vibe of, like, well, your average everyday person believes this stuff. It's not just the crazy loons on the side of the road with a sign saying, you know, the end is nigh. So on that front, I was like, wow, this is, yeah, I like that. At first he was a little much, but then he kind of was like really cool after a while for me. And so the, the three try to figure out how to get its attention. They figure out they can use a decoy horse. So they did. And subsequently at the same time, um, they figure out that Jupiter is doing the same thing. He's trying to lure them in and create this spectacle and corral this predator. And I just sort of realized that talking about it, the reason he wants to buy the ranch is because he wants to keep it, the the alien nearby to bring it in, you know, and kind of keep it in his backyard, right? Because the ranch, I, when I said the neighbors earlier, this is who I'm talking about, he's right up the road, and he's, you know, like right down the road in the valley from them. So, you know, if you can keep the UFO nearby, that's great. And so 
we got to kind of go back to Jupiter. And I'm hopping all over the place. I'm sorry if this is, you know, too, too much for you. If it is, you know, you, goodbye. You can leave. Um, if not, thanks for staying. So, as I mentioned earlier, Jupiter was one of the teenage stars on the whole Gordy's birthday episode where the chimp kills everybody. Or so we think. Um, you know, and so this whole spectacle of it's a chimp, you know, on stage in a sitcom, that's great and funny. Yada, yada, yada. The chimp beats the shit out of everybody and kills all the actors except for one. And, you know, it's in the name of the spectacle that all this distraught and terror happens in front of Jupiter. And, you know, when he begins talking about it, it's when M and OJ are meeting with him to talk about selling horses to him, which they learned that's why they've been selling you know, the horses is he's been using it to bait the UFO. And so as you know, OJ and him are talking about it. M walks around the room. It's like, what's this? He's like, Oh, this is the mad magazine making fun of the Gordy incident. He takes them in and he tells them about it. And this is when OJ's like, yep, that's why you can't have chimps on TV anymore or use them because of this incident. And he talks about the, you know, the love that people have of it. He's like, this Swedish couple came over and they paid me $50,000 to sleep in this room because it's full of Gordy's, you know, Gordy's house or Gordy's life merchandise. And so what I think is interesting is that in, you know, with going through the Gordy thing, he doesn't shy away from spectacle at all. Um he doesn't he doesn't try and get away from it you know even though he watched this chimp kill all of his co-stars and everybody and traumatize him for life he does it again he pokes the bear with this ufo and what happens is he and everybody else gets sucked up and chewed up by the alien and spit literally spit out on um the hayworth house it's it's hilarious it's hilarious and terrifying. And then it makes you question things about religion because it's raining blood. It's literally raining blood. Right. And so, and another thing too, is when they're in, so we have to go back a bit when they're talking about, you know, this is why the show is canceled when they're selling the horse lucky to him. Uh, when OJ selling him, he's like, see this picture. This is the first ever exploding fist bump. And it's a black and white picture that's like a nine by 16 of Jupiter and Gordy the chimp fist bumping. What's interesting is they cut to later after Gordy kills everybody. He looks and he sees. Um, he looks and he sees Jupiter under the table. And he comes forward to go and fist bump him. And Gordy has his hand out. And it's very much like. Um, God reaching out to touch man in the Sistine Chapel. I don't remember the name of that painting. I should know it. Um, you know, God kind of bestowing knowledge to man where the fingers meet. I think it's Adam. Uh, God and Adam touch fingertips, right? And so it's like that, but with this fist bump, but then there's a boom, a shot, and the monkey's head explodes everywhere. So on that front about, you know, religion... And stuff it's like this fire of knowledge i guess um where it was almost imparted 
I think he can act as like it's almost imparted on him. And another interesting thing, and I think this is cool about the spectacle side, you never see the murders by the chimp. Like you see them, but it's always obscured by a chair, a doorway, even on film. They show like the quote unquote film from the episode and it's shots of the human actors and the rigging and stuff. But you never see the chimp acting as Gordy. It's right before it cuts. And it's not like the camera wasn't there because they do this cut to a wide shot where you can see the three cameras set up recording. And so what I think, you know, this all talks about is that the spectacle is what's not the spectacle doesn't matter. It's the unseen of the spectacle that matters. Right. So like. And again, this is talking about aliens. And I think, you know, I think the alien, there's the alien analogy, which I'm going to hold on to forever. And the alien allegory, if you will, the allegory of the alien side. But I think the bigger thing is the spectacle of life right so like you don't see the chimp as it was represented because you didn't see the real chimp killing people you you know you did you kind of saw the real chimp killing people but you didn't see the way that it was dramatized to be right sort of like with the alien ufo thing you know, you see it as it's dramatized and made up to be, which is a flying saucer. Oh, wow. Look, it's a flying saucer. It's this, it's that, right? You don't see when it unfurls into this giant squid balloon floating thing, um, trying to eat people and horses and stuff. And so I think, I think the big thing is, and this is going to come back to respect in a second, is that you, the spectacle doesn't matter because the spectacle is just a momentary flash. The real thing, the real experience that you don't see, that doesn't get dramatized, that you don't always get to experience is the most important and hard-hitting part. And this is where we have to come back to Jupiter because he doesn't didn't realize that that you know and if you talk about God in any way I guess you could say if there is a God and in this movie and I'm saying if there is a God in like the Judeo-Christian sense where the you know God tests you and tries you you know God tested Jupiter with the chimp going see this is why you shouldn't feed into spectacle and feed off of it and then he didn't learn and poke the bear again with the alien and got eaten himself right but in the terms of respect, um, after they you know get Angel on this project, they try to reach out to a cinematographer to help them get the shot because this guy's always gotten the shot. And he's really not talked about a lot. He doesn't get a lot of screen time. He's definitely played up as like, oh, the weird, artsy, filmy dude. Um, when they show him, he's sitting at home going through reels of footage, uh, like on film film, capturing these shots of an animal attacking its prey doing this and that and so the when i come back and i talk about respect what i'm thinking about in this regard is that he because i think it's implied that he shot that footage and he's editing it himself and so he's getting down to the nitty-gritty and going i got here to shoot this i shot it this way 
and respect in the form as well because he doesn't shoot it on digital where you can oh well you know let's upscale this he shoots it on film he shoots it on physical film to where you have to point the camera right way you have to be paying attention to as things happen because then you see the real thing right again this kind of comes back to the spectacle side of it to where it's like sure you can see the dramatized bit where it's bam just like right as the monkey attacks people right and you see oh haha monkey and then it turns but then you don't get the full image i think because you you can hear the monkey in all these clips you don't see it because we already know that oh it's a chimp it's just sitting there but then you see it obscured beating the crap out of people covered in blood and you see it as it is and that's the you know the same here where if he's filming and again you can see it in the movie where he's watching like a snake attack another snake or like a mouse or something he respects the order of nature and he respects the craft of film to catch it and this is this moment i caught it i caught it as it was happening and it's not going to get dramatized up from there right he has the entire picture and image and so something happens and i kind of got lost Oh, so it's after everybody gets eaten because there's like 40 people who get eaten by the UFO when, um, sorry about that movement, uh, when Jupiter tries to summon it and he does, right? And so when that happens, the cinematographer weirdo dude is like, all right, I'm all in. So he shows up and he's like, I got a hand crank camera. I want to help you capture this. And so he does. And then, and this is this is interesting, right? Is this is the respect for the craft, but then the and when I say the craft, I'm not talking about the quote unquote spaceship. I'm talking about the art of film, where he respects film so much and he respects the concept of documentation that he takes his handheld crank camera and goes to film the ship as it comes down. And what they learn is that when you make eye contact with the ship or the alien, it it eats you like that's just how it works and oj the animal wrangler is like this is this is just how it goes we can't look it in the eye and so they catch it on film and then he comes out the crazy cinematographer dude with his hand crank and he gets sucked up and what's really cool what i really like about it is it's not just like 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 light getting sucked up like there's nothing ethereal in that regard it's just like a vacuum that sucks it up and it's like that's crazy that's just trippy like way out there insane and so the cinematographer gets sucked up and then there's this dance between m and oj as they try to get away from it and in the end, there's like a lot that happens. There's a lot of layers. So there are things I'm missing. And again, I really encourage you to go see it. In the end, they have the film from what's his name from the cinematographer guy. I think we'll call him Jacques just because that's, you know, your stereotypical cinematographer who's, you know, world renowned or respected name. Um, so they have the cinematographer's video of it on, you know, film, film. And, they're like, we got to capture the shot, the Oprah shot. They keep referring to that, you know. And so M goes back to the Jupiter's claim place again because it's like this whole spectacle. You know, it's like one of those little Western town roadside attraction things that Jupiter has. And 
there's like this weird camera in a well thing and she uses it to capture the alien as it attacks this balloon and it's the shot um and it's cool like without a doubt it's it's really cool that it's like oh wow you know and there's just so much to analyze i wish i had somebody to talk to about it because i'm missing so much trying to get it all out um and into your ears but this whole concept about spectacle and everything i just am like you know it left me scratching and you know for me i am into photography i'm into graphic design and documentation and so it's like what am I not, what, what am I missing by trying to document everything and record everything, you know? Because I respect the craft. I respect, like, you need to take time. You got to watch this. Like, this isn't just a go and do it kind of thing, right? And so for me, it's like, okay, what am I missing? I respect the craft, but I don't respect the, the moment to capture it, to see it as it is happening. So... And then, you know, the questions about God to, um, you know, because in a sense, this thing um, is acting as like a teaching moment, but it doesn't seem anybody really learns a lot from it other than OJ and M. And one of the final shots of the movie is right at the a after the alien blows up and its body is hanging in the sky. Because, again, it's like this weird balloon mushroom disc looking thing. The media shows up and is ready there with cameras and lights and reporters and everything. And it's like, you know, and they don't hang on it for long, but it looks like they're more focused on M than the thing happening in the sky. Um, and again, I could be completely wrong because we don't get to see that part of it. Right. But all around, it's just like fascinating. It is so fascinating and rich. Um, I'm curious. I I'm really curious now if a chimpanzee did kill somebody chimp tv attack this is probably something uh there do, 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 do. So there's this chimpanzee Travis I just found something about. Non-human rights blog. So there might be a little bit of agenda. From 2013. In February 2009, 14-year-old chimp Travis attacked Carla Nash, a friend of the woman who owned him. He tore off her nose, ears, and hands and blinded her as his owner. Sandra Harold frantically beat him, stabbed him, and called the police. When they arrived at her home in Connecticut, they shot Travis dead. For more than four years later, Nash has been in the news again this week as she attempts to sue the state of Connecticut Hunter for the million, arguing that officials knew that Travis was dangerous, but did nothing about it. Nash has already received four million dollars from the state from the state of Harold, who died in two thousand ten. Uh Sandra Harold who died in 2010, but she's unlikely to win this latest suit since the state is generally immune to lawsuits and the claim commissioner. So this isn't a TV show. Um, 
Oh, that's interesting. They're saying in this article, again, this is non-human rights blog. Um, it's called Travis and Tragedy. Travis was cremated, and when Sandy Harold died, his ashes were interned in the casket with her, which is weird. Um, I wonder if this was... If this is what they were talking about, and the spectacle isn't... Is Gordy's attack and nope based on the eye opening true? I'm going to have to watch stuff and see. But um, I think the big thing that a lot of people should have pay should pay attention to is the Gordy line. And I think there's a lot to be say said about it. Uh, again, the spectacle side of it and everything. It was a great movie. And, uh, you know, I think, again, I walked away with, like, questions about God and everything because I think there's this... For me, at least, it's like this, well, you look up to see, you know, and you point your camera up because you want to see it and show it to people, but then did it really happen? Like, did you experience it? Or did you just capture the moment and not get to experience it? And it's something that I think is also parallel in pop culture a little bit. Uh, you take a band like Tool or Pussifer, and, you know, you have Maynard James Keenan, experience it. We're here to tell a story. We're here to share this experience with you. Don't film it. And I think... I think there's a beauty in that as well. So, again, highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it yet, you need to see it. And go in with an open mind, and you'll be surprised. All right, everybody, that's it for this episode of the Random Rambling Beard Broadcast. Thank you all, and uh, check in later.